Welcome to the Sons of Prophets podcast, where we take you behind the scenes exploring adventures in the prophetic, dreams, visions, encounters. From ancient texts to modern mystics to supernatural seers, you don't want to miss an episode. So subscribe and listen up. We've got stories to tell. What's up, everybody? It's your host, Ricky. And today I want to talk about the heart of prophecy. Now, I have a write up here um, because I wrote this up for a friend. So I'm going to go through and just read this and then go into it. Uh, So, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, there are a lot of crazy prophetic words being shared online and on YouTube. And, you know, I mean, for some reason, the, the craziest things go viral. Um, the things that, uh, fear goes viral. (laughs) So, um, unfortunately, (laughs) so, um, you know, sometimes we see, we see words that sound godly. They sound like, you know, real warnings from God. Like, oh my, oh my goodness, the world is about to end. Um, sometimes you even get a date like, oh man, this is the day that the world's going to end. I need to stock up on food and uh, water and But anyways, let me find this note here. Okay, so if any prophecy leaves you feeling hopeless, take it to God immediately because you likely haven't found the heart, plans and purposes of God in that word. Do not let a hopeless or fearful word settle inside of you and attempt to shape your outlook on life. Your vision comes from the Lord. Fear works just like faith. Fear is actually faith faith in the wrong kingdom. Fear is faith that the enemy's plans will come to pass. This doesn't necessarily mean that giving a negative word makes a person a false prophet, but it does mean that that person at least has not taken their word, dream, or vision uh, back to the Lord to find out his plans. The New Testament teaches us that prophecy, sorry, the purpose of prophecy is to strengthen, encourage, and edify. You can find that in 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, Even in the Old Testament, warning words of prophets uh, came with God's escape plan attached to them. Many times he offered a way out to turn from their destruction. Even when those prophets of old did not share an escape plan, God still saved nations of those who cried out. And I'm thinking about Jonah and Nineveh here. Uh, So it's easy to see what's wrong in a situation. Spiritual maturity means we wait on the Lord, however, to find out what he says on the matter. Um, Psalms 27. It's a good chapter to read uh, before releasing our word to the people. So <laughs> we take it back to the Lord to hear what he says on it before we release it to the people. God does nothing in the earth without telling his prophets. That's in Amos 3 7. This means we're not obsessed with the devil's plans for the world. We're more concerned and interested in God's plans. We already know that the devil came to kill, steal and destroy. But Jesus came to give abundant life. He is Christ in you, the hope of glory and any concern born out of hopelessness was not born from the hope of Christ. You should read John 10, 10 and Colossians 1, This does not mean that all negative words come from the devil. 
This means that every word that comes from God, no matter how scary, always includes an invitation to salvation, deliverance, and hope. The prophets of God must be a spiritually mature people who can dig beyond the obvious plans of the enemy to find and release the heart of God and the answers of God to the world. Prophecy is about having keys to unlock that which seems unattainable. Prophets should be able to take mysteries and demystify them and serve them in a way that God's people can chew on them, digest them and move according to the Holy Spirit in power. OK, so the point here uh, for encourage whether it's an encouraging word or a warning word, it should always point back to God. It should always point back to salvation, deliverance, hope. It should always point back to Jesus. It should always be about God's plan and what God has to say. Okay, so if the word that you're delivering, that you're sharing around, um, you know, whether you're giving the word or whether you know you're receiving it <laughs> and passing it along, if if that word is all about the devil's plans and what the enemy has in store for us and how we should react. Because the enemy's up to no good, um, so we need to react, we need to respond, we need to be afraid, then we're in the wrong place. We need to reposition ourselves. We have to reposition to hear God's voice. No matter how factually true something may be, we must hear God's voice. Whatever God says on the matter, that's what gives us power, that gives us the way forward, that gives us peace, that gives us everything we need. Uh, that's that's where safety, safety, shelter, hope, that's where all that lives. And again, this doesn't mean that every dream or vision we have is just happy and rainbows. It's because it's it's not. I've had many, many dreams about destruction <laughs> and the world ending. <laughs> and, and I've dreamt of Judgment Day. I've dreamt of it all. Uh, I've experienced some of these things even outside of dreams, um, in the spirit. And I can tell you that, you know, they're frightening and it's enough to make you want to hit a street corner to tell everybody you're going to hell. But when you draw near to God and you really feel and hear his heartbeat on the matter, on the subject, you see it differently. You're not trying to react and let everybody know that death is taking over and there's no way out. <laughs> Save yourself <laughs> if you can. Um, instead, you realize that there's this urgency to invite people into the kingdom of God. There's an urgency to bring souls into the kingdom, to have love and compassion and to draw people in. And you feel this you feel the this burden of Christ uh, where and, and the focus is about being reunited with him. Anyways. So I had a dream once where in this front yard, the entire world was being separated into two different groups and Jesus was separating them. And I had no knowledge of my salvation um, and my life with God, uh, my relationship with God. Uh, in this dream, it was blocked for me. And I will also I wasn't sorted into either group. I was just kind of I was like a fly on the wall, kind of standing behind Jesus's shoulder, uh, watching 
watching him and watching what he does and really hoping that really hoping that, you know, I'll get put in the right pile and wanting to find out because I knew I knew today something was really important and I knew I needed to know him. But I I just didn't know that I did. Uh, I saw him get on a bus, public transportation, looking for people coming onto the bus. I tried to talk to him and befriend him. It didn't work. It was like my words just poof right in the air. Um, Man, he looked he looked a little mellow, like he was just chilling, (laughs) like, but maybe a little a little little down though and it seemed like he was looking for his people he was trying to figure out who his people were i i I followed him into the mall uh him going through different department stores and sitting out in the middle of the mall and the just on the couch there watching people walk by and as i'm following him around i'm realizing he's not finding anybody that's his that belongs to him and I try to ask him again, like, do I, like, do I, do I know, I know you, like, or am I with you? Like, I just, I didn't know. Um, we eventually get to the food court in this mall and there, this food court is packed out. There are people sitting all around tables and just eating and talking and hanging out. And then suddenly there's this big, bright light, uh, shining from the distance and it's so bright and it's so deep and like it's just expansive it's just never-ending light like you can't see the source of it i mean it's too bright to even really look that far but you can still feel how far uh, it was (laughs) um and there was a voice who called out it was started calling people's names it called someone's name and issued their judgment. <laughs> and I can't remember the first person, but the second person name who was called. This guy stood up as a man wearing a suit and he had an easel with him and he started doing a presentation and trying to pitch to God, this almighty light, <laughs> this eternal voice. Uh, he was trying to pitch to him like why he should make it into heaven. And no matter how he broke it down and no matter how he presented his case, like you could just feel the sovereignty of God and how the decision was final. And it felt like the decision was already made before time. Um, You know, I'm not trying to get into some kind of weird debate about that. Uh, I believe we all have the choice, but I still God still knows how everything's going to end up because he's God. And so it, it felt like the decision was already set in stone and there was no way i I don't know it was it was a scary feeling it it felt like sovereignty for real (laughs) and uh one thing i do notice is that jesus though jesus was still sitting among us in the food court he was still sitting at the tables and yeah so next my name got called and when i stood up i was terrified because i knew that this was it I was going to receive my judgment and there was no way out of it if it wasn't what I wanted. <laughs> and I remember him. It, it got real still and creepy and weird and heavy. And then I woke up from this dream. But the thing is, I didn't realize I was dreaming. And when I woke up, I didn't realize I was waking up from a dream. I thought I was wait. I thought I would. I had just arrived at the place of my judgment. And the room was dark, obviously, because I'm asleep at night. And so it's dark. It felt smoky. I was terrified. I, at this point, I still didn't know that I knew God. And so I, th- I thought I opened my eyes in hell. 
and it was terrifying. And then I started to come to, I started to realize that I was in my bedroom and my wife was asleep next to me. And I started getting my, like, you know, my knowledge back of Christ. And I'm like, oh, wow, I do know him. Oh, thank God. And so it was terrifying. I'm laying in this bed, like crying, so happy to be alive. <laughs> and so, you know, that would be enough to make one uh, get up and leave the house and let everybody know, listen, give your life to Jesus now or you are going to go to hell. And honestly, I mean, I can't really say that it's wrong to do that. But what I am, I mean, he who wins souls is wise. What I what I am saying, though, the point is. The point is the point. Like, what's the point? Like the heart of it, like the point of telling someone is so that they know God, not just so they would escape flames. And so uh, the heart of prophecy is always about reconciliation. It's it always had there's an invitation to salvation, to deliverance, to healing. There's this second chance. There's this here's another chance and another chance and another chance. Um uh, here's what God says about you. Here's what God says about the world. Here's a, here's what God says about your, you know, the state of your soul. And maybe it's an encouraging word. Maybe you found the gold or maybe it's like a real warning, but it still points back to God and his plan, not the devil's plan. So, um, you know, having that, I mean, that's just, that's foundational. That's like number one. Um, you cannot, I don't believe you can call yourself a prophet uh, if you're not actually prophesying the heart of God. And something else I feel that is important to say, which may be hard to hear, is that as a prophet, you are a servant. You're a number two to your number one. You are focused on the people that you're praying for, the nations that you're praying for, the people that you're prophesying to. Uh, um, you're focused on you're waking up in the middle of the night for someone else because God gives you a word for someone else. Prophets anointed kings. Okay, so prophets were number twos for number ones. Uh, even in my own household, being a father, um, in some aspects, you know, the king comes out. Dad's in charge. Dad rules. Dad's number one. Obey me now. Stop fighting. <laughs> but most of my day and most of my life is number two. It's serving. I, I tie the kids' shoes. I make the kids' lunch. It's me serving them. Our life is reshaped around them. The reason why I want to point that out is because I feel like the most dangerous thing, and, and we're obviously this podcast is about prophets, uh, but this obviously applies like to all areas, <laughs> um, any area where you're called to serve. Um, but you know, speaking specifically about prophets, I feel like the most dangerous thing a prophet can do is become his own number one, is become his own king. Uh, and you began really serving yourself and somehow your gift points back to you. And I've seen that. I've seen what it looks like to, you know, have a completely supernatural and prophetic lifestyle, even in the body of Christ, uh, which uh, points back to the man um, where, you know, Jesus isn't at the center of that. And it leads to destruction. So let's take a moment to just be quiet before the Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your presence. I know you've come into this room 
right now. Thank you. Whoever's listening, I hope you're in a quiet place. Speak, Lord. We're listening. As I can feel and hear just the wind of God circling around me. worship you, King Jesus. There's no one like you. There's no one like you. We don't deserve your presence, God, but I thank you. this podcast now so that we can be in our prayer closets <laughs> God was good. the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace